Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 7 through to Acts chapter 8 and verse 8. And this is verse 54. The stoning of Stephen. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of heaven and Holy Spirit, looked up and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. On the day of a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just check I'm switched on. Can you everyone hear me? That's great. Well, it's good to be here. And uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Mission is the very heart of God. Right from the Garden of Eden all the way through to Revelation, God is interested in relationship is interested in building a people. He is interested in building a kingdom. Mission is the heart of God. And God wants us involved in his mission. Each one of us is important to him. Each one of us has people only we can reach. Only we can influence. And today as we think of mission around the world, through our prayers, through our giving, through our understanding, we are upholding them in their mission. 
mission is the heart of God. That mission has always met opposition. Right from Adam and Eve, where the serpent in the garden tried to distract them from their relationship with God. What God is doing has been opposed. The enemy does not want a relationship between God and people. He does not want the kingdom to come. And if we read scripture, we see that all the way through. So we see with the people of Israel how they were mistreated and had to escape from Egypt. We see when the Jewish people were exiled in Babylon and they cried out. We see the prophets suffering. And when we read the New Testament, we see that Jesus is God's ultimate mission, God's ultimate rescue plan for us, with a mission that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what did we do to Jesus? He was placed on a cross. But his death was not the end. The message of the Bible is that persecution never wins. So just before his ascension, in Acts 1.8, Jesus told his disciples, and we're coming up to Pentecost, so this is very relevant to this time, said, wait, wait until the Holy Spirit is given to you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, you can only do this when the Spirit comes. So they did really well. You know, on the first day, 3,000 was converted, and then we saw many, many more come to him. But what happened Three, four, five years, the gospel got as far as Jerusalem and into bits of Judea. It took the martyrdom of Stephen to scatter the church. It took that persecution that broke out against the church to spread the church to build God's kingdom. Philip went down to Samaria and there was great joy in Samaria when he brought the gospel. And then he went on and he was told to go to the desert road and he met the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot and the gospel was taken 
for the first time to Africa. That persecution spread the mission of the church. And an interesting side note is about Paul. Paul was approving of Stephen's death. Paul, or Saul, as he was then, chased the disciples and the Christians wherever he could find them. But an interesting part of the story is that obviously we know, in hindsight, the Damascus Road experience that led to Saul becoming the greatest missionary that the world has ever known. So one thing you can do when you remember persecution and when you remember the struggles that people go through is to remember that those men and women who persecute may be the great leaders of the future. And that is really hard for those who are suffering under them now. But the power of prayer can change people. So that is a challenge to us, to pray for the persecutors as well as the persecuted. Every year Open Doors produces something called the World Watch List and the worst country for persecution is North Korea, but the worst country for martyrdoms is Nigeria. And many churches are burned many people are killed in Nigeria. And uh, Pastor Marcos's church was burned down. Many of his parishioners fled. And he was asking God, what is happening? I don't know if you can imagine what it's like to think of St. Michael's being burned down. And he went to God and he said, why? And God said, I still have a plan. I still love my people. And even now, despite continued persecution, that church has doubled inside, in size. And Pastor Marcos says, persecution is the fertilizer of the gospel. I'll say that again. Persecution is the fertilizer of the gospel. We don't like hardship. We don't like suffering. But that is what builds us as people. And that is often what builds his church too. Don't know if we can show the uh, slides, please. I don't know if you recognize this man. Uh, as I mentioned, I read this book, God's Smuggler, Brother Andrew. Uh, Brother Andrew was a Dutchman, and uh, when he was at Glasgow Bible College, he felt God calling him to go to the church behind what was then the Iron Curtain. And so, he went to a communist youth rally in Warsaw and he managed to uh, get away. He was allowed to 
and he found an underground church. And they told him two things. They said, bring us Bibles. We can't get Bibles. Uh, They're in the shops, but we're not allowed to buy them. Please get Bibles to us. And that's how the smuggling ministry of Brother Andrew started. So, if you take one thing, remember your Bible is valuable. You might have many versions of it, but it is really special. And secondly, they said, you being here is worth 10 of your best sermons. We just need to know that we're remembered, that we're not forgotten, that we are not alone. And that is what the church around the world still asks for today. They ask for Bibles, they ask for Christian literature, and they ask to be remembered. They want our prayers, they want our support. And as we meet today, there is a wave of worship going on around the world. People are meeting in Nigeria now. Later on today, the church in Ecuador will meet. We're all part of one family. You are a family here. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to have a St. Michael's corner. There won't even be a Church of England corner, or a Baptist corner, or a British corner. We'll all be together and we'll all be one. And that is the exciting thing about being part of something that God is doing. Being part of God's mission is an exciting thing. And one thing I've learned from traveling is while there's great suffering and while some people, it's traumatic for them what they've been through, in other cases you see some amazing examples of what God is doing. Next slide, please. This is Bay. North Korea is the worst country in the world for persecution. There's about 400,000 believers in North Korea. Uh, You have to be loyal to the state, and Christians are seen as disloyal to Kim Jong-un because they don't worship him. And 70,000 Christians are in labor camps, uh, where it's extremely hard to get out of, and they suffer tremendously. Yet Bay here, she's in one of the lesser areas. She's in exile. There's an exile areas in the country, which are the most remote places, and you have to work from dawn till dusk in very difficult situations, have indoctrination sessions, and some very hard things. To have a Bible you can be executed for having a Bible in North Korea. Certainly, you can end up in one of the worst camps. She has a Bible which she hides in the woods under a tree, under the roots of that tree. 
and most evenings she goes out and under the cover of darkness because it's pitch black there and gets the Bible and she and a very small number of other believers meet secretly and worship God and she says that our life to you must seem like incredible suffering but to me it draws me close to the Father and that is what I want. So that experience of being close to God, even in suffering, is the experience of many persecuted Christians. Next slide, please. This is Mushtaba. Uh, I, I have had the privilege of uh, being in a conference with Mushtaba. Uh, Iran is one of the stories of where persecution has brought tremendous change. When the Shah was deposed, there was about 200 Muslim background believers in the country. Now, we know of between half a million and a million Muslim background believers in Iran. And there's a diaspora of Iranians too. And he was uh, the leader of a house church. He was only in his early 20s, but he was arrested and he was put into Evin prison. Now, Evin prison is one of the worst uh, in, that, in the whole of Iran. And he was feeling very sorry for himself, understandably, because he'd been beaten and he'd been put in solitary confinement for a while. But God said, I have a purpose for you in this place. Pick yourself up, I'm going to use you. So he prayed, how can you use me, Lord? And in a very odd twist of fate, he got to know an imam who came in. And the imam, he said to the uh, he was talking with the imam one day and this, the imam said, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, can you bring so, some Bibles in for me? And he said, you might as well ask me to bring drugs in. That would be much easier. <laughs> so they managed to bring the Bible in in five separate sections and then they copied it out. And by the time he left that prison three years later, they had a small fellowship of 20 or 30 of them that God had built up through that. And uh, he, he basically said, if you, when you trust in the Lord, you, you see him work. Next slide, please. So, coming in closer to the end, uh, Tiram is from Nigeria, and I had the privilege of meeting her last year. Uh, one thing that she said was uh, that suffering and death, she said, eternity is our hope. Is that your hope? 
is that my hope? Eternity is the hope. She said, death will come. Whether death comes 20 years earlier or 20 years later, in a sense, doesn't matter. Eternity is the hope. So, how important is Jesus to us? How important is our hope in heaven to us? But she says this, we in the persecuted church are like an injured foot. It's bleeding and the wound is open. When you come alongside, it's like you soothe the pain. You take care of the wound. 1 Corinthians 12 talks to us as a body, hands, feet, various other bits. They have the persecution and the challenge in many of these countries. We have the freedom. We can make a difference. We can pray. We can advocate to those with power. We can make a difference. So that's the challenge to us today. They're not just people over there. They're people that are members of our family and we can make a difference in the mission of God in this world. Last slide, please. So I put a few items on the stand at the back. Uh, please do come and talk to me. If you want to find out more about what God is doing in the world, please feel free to, uh, if you're technically minded, <laughs> scan this or talk to me later on. But uh, I'm just like to close in prayer. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the hope of heaven. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for its power. Thank you for changed lives, for transformed futures for the hope that you give us. Father, thank you that we can participate in your mission to the world. Lord, for all that we've heard today, for those that the church supports, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, and may your name be glorified. Amen.